0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life Okay. We really hope you enjoy it. You know, our heart is in the care of a good father. And out of your heart, everything flows. That's why he's so careful to manage it well. You know, I, I think one of the things that um that we could really adopt even more in our hearts is is just to manage things well. You know, it always is gonna just start with our own hearts and and then when we do actually learn to overcome our own hearts, we become stewards of other people's hearts. You know, we talked about that this summer about being the steward of someone else's story. And you know, I I get the privilege of seeing everyone grow. You know, you have really matured. Isn't that cool? And you know what's a really cool thing is that maturity never ends. I know that we thought it was gonna be just I don't know what y'all were thinking actually. I think I knew when I was really, really little. I remember having conversations with my mom when I was really little just about how immature people were. <laughs> so obviously, I've been aware of the need for maturity for a long time, right? right. And, you know, I think that that in our wolf training, that sometimes <laughs> we forget that there is actually a rewardable behavior that he's longing for us to experience and it's not even bad to think that way you know think about it he wouldn't have put it in the manual if it wasn't a thing you know religion made the manual the bible that's what i'm talking about the manual in case you didn't know it it made the bible be something to condemn us that's what religion does with it and so then it Don't you love anybody raised in church in the last 40 years, you, you were able to use the manual as a condemnation tool. And I am just telling you that is never, it's a love letter. And if you don't change that one thing about you won't even want to read it because you'll just be looking at the next verse. So I'm going to read some verses today that in your old religious thinking would probably condemn you. But today we're going to learn something new. Aren't you glad? Yes. Let me refresh this on my scriptures from Wednesday night, Second Peter 1, 3. Everything, turn to your neighbor and say everything. Say that includes everything. There, God didn't leave anything out. Some of y'all just choose not to participate with me. I don't understand that because I can see you. There's not that many people in here. (laughs) Everything everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. Zero to do with it, were you? Come on! It's kind of like you just woke up one day and someone said, you have unlimited money in your bank account forever. You don't even know what you would do that. Some of y'all would go out and buy a bunch of Dr. Peppers or something. Right? And see, that's what, that's the crazy part is since you've always had this in you, you've had the capacity to make something random out of your life because you have so much deposited in there. Right? And so that's why he gave us these little things like, do you have fruit? Are you doing stuff that's rewardable or is it just going to all get burned up? When you come upon a situation, is it freaking you out or are you trying to let it empower you to do something new? You may not get it right that time, but are you going to do something new the next time? Because it'll come back around, right? And so because, as I said on Wednesday night, that the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, on the earth right now, in this season, that's now, He's looking to withdraw from the deposits he made to smear you around on the earth. In other words, to cause your life to encounter things that need him the way you know him. That's what that scripture says in Habakkuk is that he wants us to smear around the Lord in the way I know him. You know him your way. I know him my way, right? In, in Ephesians 1, I read this, I think, on Wednesday, every, I meant to. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift. Do you see a common theme already done? Just because of how much he likes you. I mean, think about it. He could He could have made anything. This this one concept I wish you could get, but he made you. Yes. The God that could make anything, any way he wanted, anything, any he could have made you any shape, put you in any country, made you any color. He could have done anything, but he made you just like he wanted to. Yeah. That's why we, wow, that was cool. Yeah. Did y'all hear that or was it? I know she's, she didn't, she was like, I didn't even touch you something weird happened right there it's so clear now yeah. that was we it was unclear the whole sir I don't even know what was going on <laughs> so it was like we had a little brawny feet like that right sorry now I don't know what I'm saying because I feel so clear all of a sudden I feel like we could just go home we must have had a breakthrough <laughs> but I have too much to say it's been lavished on us let's just stop there right and, and the last part of that Ephesians 1 three says, this is why we celebrate. Yes. We're not celebrating to get. We're not yes. worshiping to get. We're not doing something to get. Yes. The getting's already been done. Yes. You got. You got. Yes. You're in the gotten stage. Look at what I gotten. Yes. And guess what? God's gave you so much freedom. You can do anything you want with what you've got. There's something about the way that he made this deposit in us. I think I think Cece might read part of this little word. I don't know. She always will say, oh, I feel like that's just a personal word. And I'm like, well, it is, but you could read it out loud. You know, isn't that cute? I mean, it hardly ever fails. That's usually her. Well, you know, I don't know. I just think that's a personal word. Well, it is, but it's good for everyone else too. Everyone else wants to personally partake of your personal word. But if if she's not going to read it, I'm going to read it. But um, just, I'm just kidding. But okay. But she was saying in this word that she's, I believe this is what she's saying, that the Holy Spirit is trying to help her become aware of what was planted within her womb. The womb just being within us, within this core part of who we are. And think about it. How much of the time are we spending our lives trying to get back to the authenticity of who we really were? All this other stuff just got stuck all over us, right? And so I was thinking today about this treasure and about actually being able to see that if he deposited it in us and he wants to make withdrawal, what's he really taking out? What's he really withdrawing? What's it really look like? I think you can see it in my life. He deposited in me this desire to make him famous, to make him rightly known, to get religion off the table. And I can hear when you're talking when you're in religion. So don't try to fake me out. Don't try to fake me out with smooth talking and actions because it's going to be known just so think about you for a minute there's something he put in you that you know it needs to be authentic you're just not happy with the unauthentic version of it and so my life is spent trying to find ways to describe to you how amazing you are at the same time not having any tolerance for anything yucky that we believe and put on God that He that we think He feels about us. That's why smallness is pride. Right? That's why arrogance is pride. Why it all says that God didn't do enough for me. Or I don't need Him. And so... My job is to try to dissect that in you to where you will want to look at it. You know, the two people I told they were stubborn today, they're really pure-hearted people, so I'm sure they were shocked for me to say, you're being really stubborn right now. But it was the resistance. Judy was one of them. It was the resistance of my point that she was trying to sell me on her point. I'm like, no, but that's not it. That's not the point. That's fine if you want to tell me your point, but here's my point. You see, that's what God's doing all the time. He's always got a viewpoint, and he always is setting us up in environments to show us a different viewpoint, right? Let's read a little bit about it. Um, I have 400 scriptures and not a lot of time, so I'm going to read fast, okay? Let's turn to um, Matthew 13. So, contemplating this treasure, Matthew 13 is an amazing chapter. It's got it's just chock full of stuff. Okay, but it, in the very first part of Matthew 13, he talks about seeds. It's one of my it's my favorite parable yeah. because it talks about the position of your heart when seeds going out. Right now, from my mouth, is seed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just think about how many things in life are formed from seed. Do I need to give us that little story? No. That it's right. I don't, right? Okay. So then verse 10, the disciples are like, why are you doing that? Why are you talking like that? They literally said this to Jesus. Why are you talking with hard to understand stuff? Why? Where did they come from? Some of them came from religion. And what happens in religion, we act like we know what we're talking about. I mean, We really are just creating more rules and judgment. And we can't live by anything we say. And then when we act like we have a little bit of freedom, then the enemy comes back to bite us in the butt and tell us how stupid it was we acted like we could have freedom. See, the enemy's funny. One moment he will tell you something, if you're free, just do that. And the next one will be, like, well, you can't do that because, you know, obviously you're just in sin. He just is randomly doing stuff like that all the time, right? So the disciples were like, why are you talking like that? We don't even understand. And this is what he said. You've been given the intimate experience of insight through hidden truths. So one of the deposits that's in you is that it's in the heart of a king to search, Right? That's a deposit God already gifted with you, in you. Now you can search out some other random stuff. And you do. You go on Google all the time. I went to the doctor today and he literally said to me, never look on the internet to figure out what's wrong with you. A doctor said that. Why? Because because once we behold it, we get it. So another thing, we've been given the intimate experience. In the Amplified, it says, to you has been granted the mysteries. What is granted? That's a nice word, isn't it? Who gets to grant stuff? The guy who has it. I have this. I grant that it's free. You don't do nothing for it. I have granted you the right to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But he said, to them, who was them? Who was he talking to? The religious people. They were sad, you see. And they, he said, but to them it has not been granted. Why? They wanted to know God without a relationship. They wanted the benefits that only come through relationship without having a relationship. Yes. They wanted to read a rote word and know a formula without actually yielding and following. I'm telling you right now, he is breathing on all your formulas that you have set up to self-protect and make sure everything goes okay, make sure all your friends are okay, make sure nobody's too harsh or too easy or too whatever. And he's breathing on that right now and saying, it's been granted something different to you. But if you're going to hang on to your formulas, it's not going to be given to you. The mysteries are not going to be given to those who do not yield. The hiddenness comes from intimacy in relationship with him. Because then my heart is transformed to when I hear the information from him, my heart can carry the same heart of love that his has. Otherwise, if I give that information to someone whose heart does not love, they would do something different with it. Do I need to say that another way? Did you get it? So my, so this is what he said. Everyone, verse 12. For everyone who listens with an open heart. So you know what? Well, I had to ask the question because I'm a king. I wanted to search it out. What's an open heart? Did you want to know that? Yeah. I have a little answer for you. I asked Judy this morning, what's an open heart? Because we work through our stubbornness. And then she she had a huge breakthrough and an open heart. Now, that makes it, that's when the breakthrough comes. Right, Kay? That's when the breakthrough comes. The understanding comes after someone says, you're closed for business. My business is here and you're closed. I'm bringing some business up in here and you are closed to it. Right? You know, Mendel had this little thing that she wanted to take back. Don't let me forget where I'm at. And and it was to that place, that stinky place. What's it called? Bath and Body Works. And I can't go in there. And and, I, and she waited for months and months and months. And finally, you know, we just everything, just all the stars aligned and everything. And our memory worked just a little bit after COVID. And we were like, this is the day. We're going to take this thing back. We drive to the place. And we went down Penn. You know how much I don't want to go down Penn Memorial? And so we're at Penn Memorial. We go to BBB, whatever it's called. And they're closed because their air conditioner broke. Now, see, in that moment, I just wanted to give her $10. I mean, like, that. I don't want to do any of that ever again. Do you, are you with me? So uh, this is what he says. To who, to he who has, more will be given. This is an This is obvious, he says, that it refers to having an open heart to receive the understanding of the mysteries. So Hebrews 10, she gave me this scripture today. He says, since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. I asked her, what's an open heart? She said, the greater awareness of him than my circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Just Okay, listen. Apply this to another simple situation. You, have you ever been anywhere and it irritated you? Yes. There's a different awareness to be seen than just that you can express irritation. If I'm talking and I'm irritating you, there's a greater awareness to be seen. Because my my objective is not to get up here and irritate everyone. If you're offended by what I say, my objective... I don't sit at home and go, man, I just hope. Man, I'm up at three and I'm like hoping I can offend everyone tomorrow and everyone's mad. See, once I realized the heart of the Father is to invite us as little children to be transformed from the things that have hurt us, then I can't even hear things that way. When I hear something and it offends my heart, it rends my heart, it's needing to be opened up in that area. It's needing to have some sort of something bang into it to cause it to see something different. And I don't even like it when I feel that way. Have you gotten that far yet? Remember when you were okay with how you felt? It says, We are fully convinced by faith that nothing can keep us at a distance from Him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with the blood. We just need a little sprinkling. Right? Sin is is just the thing that we're more aware of than we are following Him. Religion made it be some colossal, fatal, permanent stamp of disapproval of a God who would keep us from then accessing anything good for us. And so we we became scared of sin. We became afraid. Who does that sound like? God gave the answer to the thing that the enemy makes us act like we're afraid of that we can't ever overcome. Listen, I got tired of living in that place feeling guilty all the time. I got rid of guilt years and years ago. How many love guilt? How many think guilt's a motivator? See, anything that is motivating you other than love is of the enemy. If it's the Bible and it's making you feel guilty, the enemy is working through that. There's actually something in your heart that g- agrees more with feeling bad and guilty than it does that it's a love letter. Listen, I looked up that word "open heart" in the Greek, and it in the Greek it's called sincere. That which has not only the name and resemblance, but the real nature corresponding to the name. In every respect, corresponding to the ideas signified by the name, real, true, and genuine. Opposite of what is fictitious. 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 Sorry, I see I caught it. Fictitious. I was close. window <laughs> was like... Whoa. <laughs> what again? <laughs> Counterfeit. That's what I wanted to start with. Imaginary, simulated, or pretended. Whoa, wow. That's the that's the opposite of the open heart. Wow, that's good. That shows us that that unauthentic, fake thing we do around people. It's not open. Okay. It's not the definition of an open heart. That's why in a culture of honor, we have to say, are you being fake right now? Lynn, she wrote a text to somebody the other day, and she said, you're lying to me. I said, let's soften that. (laughs) Let's use a different word there. I know you're feeling that. I know that feels like a lie. And you have proof. She even had proof. It was a lie. I said, but let's try To diplomatically rewrite that, just let's channel our inner inner mental and rewrite that in another way to where we can invite relationship. See, that's that is what the Holy Spirit does. Even if you get offended one time, he'll be like, "Okay, obviously that door's closed. He doesn't just go like, that's it. Forget you. I'm done with you. Bye bye. See you later. He'll give another invitation. He'll use a different word. Maybe one you can agree with this time. But the truth of it is, it's always been the same thing. It just may be reworded different, rearranged. And the jingle starts with the blue at the top. But it's the same. Why? Because he's the manager of our hearts. He's working on teaching us that he sprinkled us. with He just went, and it made us completely whole, completely clean. We're the ones that keep looking at it going, I think everybody remembers how horrible it used to be. Even if they do, he doesn't. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So that's why he talks in parables. That's all that was about, right? Yes. And when your heart's open, the ability to understand it grows. Don't try to understand the parable harder. That's it. Have you ever done that? Yes. All my black and white thinkers, it's so hard to get them over into metaphoric thinking because everything is black and white. Black and white, it's either this or it isn't. It's either this or it isn't. And in the kingdom, it's not either one of those. Right? Black and white. And so metaphors are hard to see because they live off in the peripheral, as Mendel would say. Right? And so, let's fast forward down to, I'm still Matthew 13, 43. Y'all be sure and read Matthew 13. There's so much good stuff in there. Now, let's wait. I have one more thing. Sorry, I forgot. In in verse 14, Jesus begins to quote Isaiah. Now, he just came from explaining why he has this parable language, right? And how we have an open heart. And he keeps... This is that's why I teach people using parables because they think they're looking for truth, yet their hearts are unteachable, right? There's a lot that reveals. And so he goes on to say this. The prophecy of Isaiah describes these people perfectly. Yeah. So he goes on and he reads this. Although, this is verse 14. Although they listen carefully to, to do everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. This is Isaiah. And they look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged in are hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes and see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me heal them instantly. So he's quoting Isaiah 6. Now, let me give you a little history lesson, shall I? In Isaiah 6, it's, I've preached on this before. The start of that chapter says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord lifted up. Right? Now Isaiah is, is coming into his prophetic ministry. Anybody else? Right? And he makes a significant point of saying that there was this king. And when this king died, I saw God. And so I've preached on this before. We all know that 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 was the moment, or maybe we don't. That was the moment, let me just tell you, who was King Uzziah? Do you know much about him? You have to turn over to, let me see if I pulled it up. I was just going to tell it to you, but I could turn there. No, no, it's not available there hold on i think it's chronicles something i really wanted to read it to you yep second chronicles 26 my low hidden scripture uzziah had built his army and he no longer thought he needed god's help in battles he became prideful and corrupt if you go back read second chronicles 26 the, the story of uzziah what happened to him do you know what happened to him He became a leper. You know why he became a leper? Because he legitimately said, I don't need God anymore. And then he, w- he went a step further. The priest said, you can't do priestly things because you're the king. And he said, I don't care. And the moment he stepped in to do priestly stuff and he wasn't supposed to, he became a leper and he died a leper. So in Isaiah 6 when he's saying, in the year King Uzziah died. What died with King Uzziah? Pride. The worship of something besides God. Yes. Wow. It said that when the priest came to him and said, you can't do this. He said, you cannot tell me what to do. Think in my life. I'm up here telling you what to do. When you leave here and you say, Oh, I'm mad at her for telling me what to do. You're in pride. (laughs) Listen, this is why the church has no power. I mean, I know none of y'all do this. But the, the reason why the church has no power is because we've exchanged our own way for His way him in when we feel like it that's why the mysteries are all hidden and this is a season listen of the revelation of God being poured out and so we have to yield we have to let him rend our hearts we have to position ourselves otherwise we're going to be king Uzziah and not even know it and so in that moment it's such a great story in in Isaiah 6 let me tell you a couple things he says I don't have time to read all of it either Look, it's already one o'clock. Don't even look at the clock. <laughs> in the year King Uzziah died, I clearly saw the Lord. What was in the way? God didn't move. God didn't change. What was in a way? In the way? The authority of the day. Listen, this, this is the season we're in right now. I'm telling you, on the earth, this is going on in America right now. This is going on right now. Somebody with leprosy is in authority. And we're, we are about to see God. In a way that he's never been seen before. But see, here's what you have to remember. This is what his response was. I stammered and said, Woe is me. I am undone. I'm just doomed as a sinful man for my words are tainted and I live among the people who talk the same way. And it says, Out of the smoke, one of the angels of the fire flew to me he had in his hands burning coal that he had taken from the altar with the tongs and he touched my lips and he said, See, the burning coal from the altar has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is blotted out. And I heard the Lord say, Whom shall I send to go to my people? Who would go and represent us? Us. Not you. Not some church. But us, who's the us? It's the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he spoke up and he said, I'll be the one, send me. But see, when he sent them, this is what he said. Go and tell the people. That's the thing Jesus quoted. This next verse, I just quoted you from Matthew 13. Go and tell the people. You keep listening, but you understand nothing. You keep watching. But you learn nothing. Go and preach a message that will even make their hearts dull, their ears plugged and their eyes blind. Otherwise, their eyes will begin to see and their ears will begin to heal. hear and their hearts will begin to understand and they will return to me for healing and be healed. See, he told him to go preach a message so they wouldn't do that. And Jesus came and said, I am him. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you preach me, Everything will be revealed. That's why I talk in parables. That's why the mysteries will only and always be resolved for the child, reserved for the childlike heart. They're not reserved for the prideful. And we don't even have to be, feel bad when he says you're prideful. Because he's trying to say, it's in the way. It's not a permanent condition. It's not who you are as a character. It's what some injury did to you that you decided to buy into and you never got rid of. It's not even him. It's not even you. And I love it because if you go on, this is what Isaiah 6 is really about. I stole this from the Passion. You know at the end it says, verse 13 that says even after god does all this stuff because why because they they had been in pride they had been serving idols they had been where i love this scripture in jeremiah hang on i got to read that one to you too sorry i I told you i had a bunch of stuff jeremiah 10 it says every read jeremiah 10 all of it but this is verse 14 every man has become like a brute irrational and stupid man Without the knowledge of God. Yes. Every goldsmith is shamed by his carved idols, for his molten images are frauds and lies, and there's no breath in him. Listen, try to not try to translate this for yourself in New Testament language. He's saying, We have made idols out of things God made. Yes. Yeah. We took stuff that God made for one purpose. And we developed an idol out of it. And we don't, I don't even know if we know we're worshiping it. How you know you're worshiping it is if you abide by its logic. Do you understand? I'm saying that we behold something fake. And we base our life on it. And then when nothing turns out like we think, we complain. And then we judge the people that aren't doing it that way. That's what he's saying right here. They're worthless and devoid of a promise. The gods have no promise. If we don't need any other separation but that... All of the idols we worship, they have no promises. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love that. YouTube in, YouTube out. There's no promise. Yeah, They're a work of delusion and mockery. In their time and of trial and punishment, they will perish without hope. But the portion of Jacob... Is not like these. See, this is my mission in life is to help us know God how He really is. This is the true God that we claim is not like these, for He is the designer and the maker of all things. We are His tribe, and we are in His his inheritance. We won't fail him. The Lord of hosts is his name. So, in Isaiah, Jeremiah is referencing Isaiah. I don't know if you get all these connecting points. But when Isaiah is talking and Jeremiah is saying, oh, it's because... They have chosen to worship these other idols. And it says in, in Isaiah six thirty it says, But even then, after all that worship, build, there will be a remnant that remains. There will be a remnant. Even in the midst of chaos and calamity and smoke and fire and all kinds of crud going on and families falling apart, there's going to be a remnant. You just have to decide if you're it or not. He knows. He knows whether you're it. What does a remnant look like? Well, no, nobody else in their family comes along. Called a remnant. (laughs) Nobody else in their family believes the same way. It's called a remnant. You're the only one. You're the first of the first of the first of the first. You endure. You don't, you don't need somebody else to do it. You'll do it because it's right. Yes. And this is what he said. Even the remnant will get burned. Oh, we're sad about that, aren't we? But it says this. It'll be like an oak, like a terebinth tree when it fell. Because the stump, the remnant, still lives to grow again. Because in the stump is the holy seed. It never was the outer. He says this seed of holiness, this is the passion translation commentary. How many words can I get in there? The seed of holiness is its stump, or the stump is the sacred seed. Isaiah uses this word seed 25 times. That's why Jesus started out Matthew 13 with the seed. Maybe you'll have time to get this all together. This is not the end, but a new beginning. God always has a remnant people, even in time of judgment. We are in the time of judgment. The way that you don't freak out because God has to judge it for it to be turned right. We don't want to deny God his nature because his judgment on his holy ones means reward. Don't act like you're the one that's not holy, that you're the one outside the camp. Let him judge those that are outside the camp so they know. Wow. 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 Today, true believers have the holy seed of Jesus within them. They have been born of above. And listen, this is the other key factor to Isaiah 6: why you have to study it out. Because within Isaiah 6 are the requirements of your calling. Now, y'all want to write it down. Now, look at you. You weren't even going to write anything down or listen if it wasn't going to be anything worthwhile. But now you're like, oh, calling, calling. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, calling, <laughs> calling, calling, calling. I better get something down on that. Brian did all the work for you. Seven things, the number of perfection. Listen, if you would invest time just doing the things required, you won't uh, you won't be disappointed in the outcome. But when you just want to be like, "Oh, I hope I don't have to do." Teresa said 12 years to be a prophet. I don't know. Maybe I I know. I'll do it in 8. I, come on. Listen, that's just sort of a general consensus that you're not walking in your full prophetic calling six months after you figured out you may want to be one. Why? Because he's developing maturity in you so you don't look like such an idiot and call it his name. Wouldn't you? Have you ever gone to work for somebody and they did some training so you wouldn't look like an idiot? right anybody ever done any salesman work anyone aren't you glad that they do a little bit of training so you don't look so dumb because then they'd be like uh well how much is that oh no let me call somebody right then you're not really a salesman you're just a phone holder let me call somebody right a salesman what they love their product they know their product I think God needs some salespeople to make him famous. If you don't know him well, well, let's just don't try to sell him, okay? If you're all anxious and crapped out every day and crying around and all moody, let's just keep it to ourselves that we know him. Because someone don't want that product you have. Because they're God's greater. Their hard work produces what you're saying God's going to do for you. Uh, Listen, our lives are supposed to represent the king. Do you remember what I said at the beginning? Everything's already been deposited in you. Just because you did not hone it and you didn't perfect it and your little soul gets in the way and gets so hurt and offended because you have to do something hard and you're like, need to tell everybody, I'm tired I'm weak. I'm lonely. You're offending me. You're in my way. You're in my space, my personal space. You got all this stuff you're setting up. And the people are like, okay, well, I don't want to be around them. And if you, well, Jesus loves you. Well, don't even say that. Don't even say that. They already know that. They're looking for a life. Didn't you hear what he said? To represent us. They're looking for a transformed, powerful, anointed, walking in all kinds of revelation and understanding. They can interpret every dream. They can say a prophetic word. They can be happy every day. The world knows how to be unhappy and cranky. Why would? Why do we want to be moody around people? What is the goal of that? I just hope that someone would have sympathy. Well, just tell them what you need there. I need a hug. I need an ice cream. I always need an ice cream. I need something. Just tell them what you need instead of manipulating it with your mood and your body language. uh, It's just gross. And we do that to the worldly people. Like they're going to be like, let me help you. And they're like, they're judging you. They're like, oh, man, they are just. They're so not snugged up to Jesus because, man, they can't even get over their own selves. They can't, they can, their resting face is not even good. <laughs> have you been working on your resting face? Some of y'all have. I can tell. I look around the room and you're like, okay. Right now she's making me mad, but I'm going to be smiling a little bit. Uh-huh. So much better, isn't it? Just to even be aware that you've got this face. That people are like, are you constipated or what is it? Right? Here we are. Seven things. A uh, requirement. Say requirements. requirements. Turn to your neighbor and say they're not negotiated. Do you want to have a calling? Y'all didn't know how to answer that. Let me say it another way. Do you think you have a calling? Yeah. Do you think you have an assignment? Yeah. If you were God, wouldn't you have some requirements? Yeah. Right? If you had a business, would people have to come to work every day? Or would they be like, you just, would you just say, like, now, baby, if you feel like it, come on in. If you don't feel like it today, I'll pay you full wage and overtime if you don't show up. What would? How many many people would not show up? I mean, sickness would abound. I mean, it'd be like, yeah. Have you ever had anybody call in sick, Bailey? What, do, you, do you like that? No. Why? Because this stuff keeps going. Just because the people don't show up doesn't mean all the customers don't show up. Somebody has to fill in. Who has God sent to fill in on your assignment while you're busy doing some other random thing? Why? Because He'll have His way. God has a plan. God has an agenda. He is not changing His mind. You can call in sick tomorrow. You can have Monday blues. You can not show up on your assignment. I got my workaholic people. I'm just like, they can't even show up to get training because they're just so busy showing up for their assignment. We got both kinds and you always will. Just figure out which one you are and adjust. I had to tell Shidi today, you're doing too much. You're going to burn out. She didn't understand that at first. She's just like, no. This is right and proper and good and I'm an over responsible and this feels good to me. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't look good to me. Why? We have to keep adjusting. We're all at different places. If you can't get out of bed, you're not going to have that conversation with me. Yeah. Know thyself. Yeah. Number one, you've got to have a revelation of God where he sits. Wow. Is he down low? Is he wooden? Is he on YouTube? No, baby. He is high, and he is lifted up, and he is glorious and mighty, and he invited you to sit up there with him to get information from heaven firsthand. Why would we get information from someplace else? It's almost like, well, God, I'll get back with you if I get in trouble. That was old religion. If I get in trouble, I'll call on God. He'll be there. Help me. Help me, Jesus. And he's like, well, I actually have some instructions for the day. (laughs) And if you'll let me, I'll lead you beside the still waters, and then you won't need the the line, help me. (laughs) The closer you spend in intimacy at the throne, the less help me comes out of your mouth. Help me comes from help me. I've done it. It comes from, I don't know where he is. I don't know where I'm going, but this don't feel good. Just get me out. Out. I need out. Don't you hate it when he gets you out and then you go to the next place? It's the same way. I need out of here too. Number two, a revelation of holiness. Number three, a revelation of our uncleanness. I just read you the scripture in Ezekiel about what God does with uncleanness. You are unclean, but you've been washed. So now what are you? Unclean no more. But see if I don't realize that potential. I can't clean myself. It was supposed to be like this. Hey, like the other day, you know, one of the dogs went out and rolled around and something. They're not supposed to. Just the moment we washed the dog or moved in, I watched. But the dog got washed. And what is it? It's clean. So we don't treat it like we treated it. Right? When you see, when it's doing that thing, you don't want to touch it. We can barely get it to, we can barely get it in to the place, right? But after that, we let it get on the furniture. We let it run around and make a ruckus and we were good. That's kind of how he sees it. Yeah, you can't touch a lot when you're unclean. You got, ought in your heart. Right? Yeah. But after you've been clean, yeah. come on into the throne room. Yeah. There ain't nothing more holy than the throne room and you get to come. Yeah. Jesus is actually interceding that you come more. Yeah. Yeah. I know you just thought he was interceding. Help me moments. Number four, a divine cleansing. There it is. Is your cleansing knowledge greater than your unclean knowledge? I don't even know why we want to sit on that bandwagon. It's kind of like Forrest Gump sitting in there just like, oh, I'm just not really worth anything. Right? We get in that pity language so easily. Like, let's, eh. I'm so proud today. Okay, man, I confronted her hard. Man, I went hard. Because Kay can take it. She came over Thursday night and I told her how it was going to be. And man, she was powerful. I said, stop crying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she was powerful, man. And you know what happened? These words came in her mouth. I've never seen that before. This is what I think. See, before she couldn't see what she thinks because she was so busy crying. How many know if you can't see what you're thinking, you ain't gonna be able to change what you're thinking? It's stinking thinking, you know it is, but your your soul has risen up. It's in the way. How many know I'm talking about? Number five, a personal call. You've actually heard the voice of God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Remember when you hadn't remember when you were sitting at home going, I I can't hear God. Do you remember when you think you could hear him? Come on. That was miserable, wasn't it? Because you wanted to. And the cool thing was you could all along. You just didn't know it was him. You had so many other things coming in. Which one is him? Number six, abandonment to God. And number seven, divine commissioning. My last point is this. If you go down to Matthew 13, 43... It says this, the kingdom, the heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was a hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. This is Jesus. You're the treasure. He hid you again. Some of y'all don't know it, but that season, maybe you're in it right now. Some of you are out of it, but some of you are in it where you're hidden Nobody knows you. You're not loving just every single thing. You didn't get to pick where you live. You didn't get to pick where you work. You know, I've heard it all. That's your hidden season. He's doing something in the cocoon season he can't do any other time. But because it was such a treasure, he was so overjoyed, he sold all that he possessed to buy it and buy the entire field so he could just... Have the one treasure. This is you. Jesus gave up everything he had in heaven to come down and pay the price for you. Why? Because of your treasure. It says heaven. He said this. Heaven's kingdom realm is is just like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. When you get the picture of what Jesus did in exchange for the value of you, then you realize this hidden treasure in you, this hidden deposit in you, it's time for it to be withdrawn. It is time for something to be done with the treasure that's in you. Anyway, come on, Mendo. Okay. I can take it.
1: You. it's a small dance it's a little bit of acrobatics there wow that is a chopped, full powerful message Yay. definitely definitely we all need to listen to it again study it study it out all that Some, yes be kings be kings about it be kings about a matter well um i i think that i mean the holy spirit is just on so many things (laughs) Uh, he's everywhere everywhere. well I do have to say this just as a a prophetic declaration we said it just the other day but about the number 70 um, and the beginning of a new journey and I just um, I only remembered this little tidbit of a dream yesterday and the Holy Spirit just told me what it was Um, sitting there so I just have to say this that some of you didn't maybe didn't you don't recognize the new beginning of the journey but the new beginning is still waiting for you it's still it's it was this this picture of the new beginnings just kind of lingering hanging around it's not far from you but you haven't acknowledged it yet you haven't partnered with it yet and so um, I felt like that was something he wanted to say that it, there is a new beginning for every single person that is, has hearing this message. There is a new beginning that specifically began last Sunday. Wasn't it last Sunday? A new beginning. And if you would go and read, um, Jeremiah 29, I think it starts starting in verse 10 on Sunday, I referenced 29, 11, where it says, you know, uh, he says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Well, then, Pam shared with us and Tisa shared with me later the uh, expanded version of that. If you go start at verse 10, and I can't remember how far 20 something, I think it is full of promises about a new beginning. And it literally says that um, after 70 years, I will do this for you. So I'm telling you, this is a now word, this is a now message. There's God is doing something in our lives right now so there is a new beginning that's just lingering around anybody that hasn't looked for it has isn't hasn't begun searching for it there's a new beginning available to you and it's waiting it's waiting for you for you to recognize it and acknowledge it and seek it out so um yesterday i i didn't sleep much the night before because we were contemplating some changes in life and sometimes change can (laughs) she's laughing at that already um just a simple way to put it um and I know there's lots of changes even going on in the room for a lot of people but um that during the course of the night fear just kept trying to come in and bring this logic-based fear statements well you know if you change this then this will be at risk if you change this this thing will happen well you know it was kind of you know what I'm saying it was like that all night long and so I knew that something was up with that. And I, I tried to put words to it when I was talking with Papa yesterday morning. And the it was interesting because the word I kept coming up with was that I felt like my tenderness of heart was going to be compromised by these changes. That's a, simple, a more concise way to say it. I was afraid that my circumstances if my surroundings and circumstances changed, that my tenderness of heart would be at risk. And I realize now after hearing Tisa's message that what I was really talking about was the open heart. The tenderness I was referring to was my open heart that she talked about so that I could see and hear what the Holy Spirit's saying, right? So I've come to value my open heart. I've come to value it and to live out of an open heart rather than out of a self-protective heart. And so, um, but what I've found, and I see it happening in all of us, is that we, while we're here, you know, we say, yeah, I want an open heart and I value an open heart. And then we walk out the door and this thing that's just been ingrained in us that seems logical is a self-protector comes in. And we're like, oh yeah, well, that's actually wisdom that helps protect my open heart and we partner with self-protection that we say is to protect my calling or protect my purpose or whatever so for example I like to as you know I talk about writing on Saturday mornings and I have my little place to sit outside and I have a history there now, so it has all these feels to it, you know, and all that, and I love it. Well, what fear was trying to say was that if I change that, I might, it might ruin my access to having that access with Papa. It might ruin my open heart. Well, when I say it like that, it's kind of ridiculous, right? But it would sound logical. To some of us, it would sound logical to say, "Well, no, this is a this is a uh, my calling is attached to this place where I spend this time with Papa, and therefore I need to make sure it doesn't change." And so, I don't, that's just my personal example, but it's kind of how it happens for us, where the enemy sneaks in with this self-protective measure that actually compromises the open heart that you think you're protecting. It's, it's really subtle. And that's why we have to have the renewed mind. And that's why, like Tisa said, we have to know what we're thinking. Because all of us were ingrained and indoctrinated with stuff before we, we partnered with and said we wanted a renewed mind. And it's automated. You have to understand, we don't see our own stuff. It, it has to be revealed to us. And it's revealed to us through circumstances where we partner With something that, and then we realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm self protecting here. And I know that self protection is going to work against the bigger goal. Well, great. And so the another thing that it reminded me of is I keep, I keep encouraging you guys every week to go back and listen to the word of the year, read the word of the year. Please do it. I know it was a lot, but please go back and just even in little bite sized portions, revisit the word of the year. We said at the word of the year that we would be teaching on it all year. And when I went back and listened recently, I thought, oh no, we forgot to teach on it. But no, it's really silly because we've actually been teaching on it this whole time. We just, you know. It wasn't a straight line. I didn't know it. It wasn't intentional because the Holy Spirit's good like that. So, so much was in there. And what today's message reminded me of was there was a part of the word of the year where we talked about creating idols that cannot speak. And I can't remember the exact verse again right now, but it, it has, I realized that our self-protection is an idol. We create self-protection out of our own logical mind we create formulas or ways that we think are going to protect ourselves and those things are actually idols that cannot speak to us that have no promises like she shared today so we have to recognize the importance of the value of your open heart for one and the value of not partnering with self-protection and truly recognizing where that is So that may be a a position of a new beginning for you right there to have a new value for your open heart that needs to be protected but have a new value for resisting partnering with self-protection and and seeing his protection in it. Every place that you have self-protection on any level, God has a protective measure already in place that you haven't seen yet. And so that's an opportunity to receive from him in a new way and to see him on a new level every place we have self-protection there's a godly protection a father's love and protection over you that we haven't seen yet so your new beginning may be there i am i'm just putting all my nuggets together here okay i'm putting pieces of the puzzle Uh, my chicken nuggets Okay, so I I don't even know how this goes together, but I'm just trusting that it does. But last Wednesday, we sang and we went into this prophetic thing where we said, as he is, so am I, right? Well, I I searched that out, and that comes from the verse in uh, 1 John 4.17 where it says that by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is so are we in the world. Now, the footnote there really stood out to me because it says um, the verb tense is important. What Brian Simmons wrote that we are not like Jesus was, but because of grace, we are like he is now. Whoa. Pure and holy, seated in heaven and glorified. Faith has transferred his righteousness to us. So just put that in your back pocket that we, he's calling us to see the fullness of what that means. It doesn't mean we just act like Jesus. You know what would Jesus do? Like the bracelet. It doesn't mean what would Jesus do just on these brief little interactions with people, like she said, where you say, "Well, Jesus loves you." It had like He wants us to see the fullness of that. What was Jesus? Who is Jesus now when you're home by yourself? Who is Jesus now when you're faced with a fear or something that feels like it might be risky. As he is, we are. As he is, so am I. He's calling us to walk more fully in the tr- his true identity. Now get this, the other thing we sang on Wednesday that I wasn't really sure why I was singing it, but I, we sang the joy set before us will be our identity. Now we had the, that message of what was before us is what we conceive and what we give birth to. We had just had that on Sunday and again on Wednesday. And so I, the joy set before us will be our identity is what we sang. And so I knew that came from a verse, the joy set before him, right? That comes from Hebrews 12, 2, in which says, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us, who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. This, The footnote says this was the joy of our salvation. He placed his, before his eyes the bliss we would forever share together with him. That's our identity. The joy set before him was pointing to who we are. It, it points to as he is, so are we. It was us seeing us living like we are seated at the right hand of God with Jesus, purely whole, walking like, like uh, shooty, saying today that he's worthy of having his bride by his side. That was the joy that Jesus had before him when he died on the cross and that is our identity. So he's calling us again to see as he is, so am i. What was set before Jesus is what i'm being called up into right now. The joy that was set before him is my identity, walking in the truth of my identity. So again, back to my Saturday morning yesterday, i was talking with papa about this tenderness and my that i um, felt might be at risk, okay? My open heart. And I want you to just hear how the father talked to me and what he had to say about it. And this was, again, rounding out. We've got to see the bigger picture about Jesus. And as we are, as he is, so are we, okay? So he said, daughter, my delight, the true apple of my eye, my source of pride, my joy, my heart, this tenderness, okay, open heart, that you've uncovered, this tenderness you've discovered is sacred ground to me. It's not a place or a space I take lightly. It is the garden of our shared delight. It is the place we meet and dine on the discoveries of love you so eagerly pursue. It is the place of intimacy between me and you, a sacred space, a sacred and heavily guarded, divinely protected place for me and you. Let me just stop here for a moment and say, again, we're talking about the open heart that you may be tempted to self-protect. And he's saying, whoa, no, you don't understand how much I value your open heart, that I value what I've uncovered in you. Like all of you came up to the front today and, and he repaired something. He's saying, you don't understand how sacred that uncovered, restored place is to me and how heavenly guarded that is. So we can resist self-protection because of how protective he is over that place. He said, that place, it's the marriage carriage my son prepared for you. If you recall, it is surrounded by a magnificent guard intent on one thing, to guard and protect your time with the king. This intimacy we share is treasured ground, worth more than the nation's, worth more than territories that still need to be taken. This tenderness in your heart, the open heart, is the seed I planted in your womb. The one divinely planted, just as Mary was impregnated through spiritual means, you are not carrying a man-made seed. Did I not protect the seed in her? Did this seed not fulfill his purpose? in perfect step, in perfect time, as he is, so are you. The seed I planted in Mary was not kept safe by staying in one place. This precious gift, the one carrying the salvation for the world, was entrusted to a pure and innocent young girl. She had no means of self-protection. She had no means of self provision she was vulnerable and even felt exposed at times. She was threatened and yet still required to travel from one place to another. She faced persecution and difficult times, but never was she unprotected. Her protection, just like your own, was not reliant on where she called home. The conditions that surrounded her played no part in her peace or sustaining grace again i want to emphasize the the inference here is that on our journey we come to value what god's done in us we come to value the healing that's already taken place we come to value the promises we've heard him say and we're tempted to enter into self-protection to protect what he did for us and that will sabotage the very thing we're trying to protect and so, again, he's saying, look at, look at how I value this. He's saying, what I planted in you that is accessible through your open heart, your calling, your purpose, the seed is planted in you, is the same as the seed of Jesus Christ who I planted in Mary's womb. Look at her story. Look at the process that she went through. And he's saying, no, I had, I had that all covered. I had that completely covered. And we can view our own calling, our own gift in that same way. The conditions that surrounded her played no part in her peace or sustaining grace. He said, my daughter, my son, you are far too precious to leave, for me to leave you uncovered. You are far too treasured by every aspect of my heart to abandon you or leave you in any way. You can trust that I am going ahead of you to prepare a place for you, for us. I am devout in my commitment to this, to guard every aspect of your tender heart. Don't you know what a treasure your tenderness is to me? Don't you know that I bought the whole field to have you? Don't you know I already paid the fullest price to keep you forever mine? For so long... Your tenderness was covered, weighed down after being discarded like some filthy rag. Now I have to pause here because the Holy Spirit told me to connect the dots on this, this one part. Before I learned of Jesus's remnant that Tisa talked about, the word remnant to me meant a piece of leftover fabric, a little piece of fabric you might use like a rag. And he's saying that's, again, this is you. Your tenderness was covered way down after being discarded like a filthy rag. That's speaking to the remnant, the remnant that's still in you, that's still partly covered, that still needs to be renewed, that he's protecting. For so long, you couldn't feel my touch in this place. You didn't hear my whisper or my song. I long for the day your tenderness once again saw the light of day. I long for the day when your hidden treasure would see me and be with me face to face. Your tender heart, fueled and maintained by peace, is more valuable than gold to me. I make a vow to you today, one you can count on always, to forever guard this place in you. Do you hear that? I make a vow to you today, one you can count on always, to forever guard this place in you. I will protect it with the fierceness of a father, with my unrelenting divine power. Your home with me is forever established. No matter where this life takes you, no matter where you travel, your heart is already at home with me. I will guard you with every aspect of my divinity. So, Papa, I just want to say thank you for this word. And I just pray that you will continue to breathe on this word to make it come to life for people and impact them in a personal way. I thank you that you have been. I, I just, I just have to say this: that I just get this sense, like it's been swirling around me so much today that I can't, I couldn't even figure out what I was seeing. But prophetically and in the spirit, I just saw this full circle thing of the great extent that we can't even comprehend that God went to, to have you as a treasure, to have that open heart, to be able to access and commune with that seed that he planted in you. He's saying, I've done it all from the beginning of time. He sent his son and then his son paid the price and made the way. He bought the field. He sold everything to have the pearl. He's done it all. He's done it all. He's provided everything that you need because of how much he treasures you. He wants you to know a greater level of how much He treasures you, how valuable you are to him. Because if you understand that, you will know the fierceness of his father's heart to protect you. He's calling us, inviting us into a new season, a new beginning of walking in his protection and a true knowledge of how valuable we are and how protected and guarded we are so that we can finally, once and for all, throw the idols of self-protection down. So Papa, we just thank you. Thank you for telling us what's available to us right now. Thank thank you that you don't release a word without providing everything that's needed for it to be fulfilled. So we just say today that, that we have everything we need. We have everything we need for this word to be fully manifest in each of our lives personally. So Holy Spirit, I just say, go, 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 blow, blow, blow. Give people dreams and visions, light them on fire, burn up everything that can be burned, Invite them with excitement. Let them feel the passion that you have for them for to be free in this way and to walk with you in this new beginning, in this new journey. We just say yes to you. We hear your yes. We hear your resounding yes. We hear how much we love you, how much you love us. And just like we sang about today, we see, we see, we see, we we see your glory, we see how much you love us, we see how much you are worthy, and we see your beauty. Go, Holy Spirit. Go, Holy Spirit. We just say we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you so much. There's nothing else I can say but how I love you. So I just pray that this will be a song that we sing, how much we love you. You are so beautiful. You are so worthy. And that it will be burning within us as we walk out this word this week, today. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Papa God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Warrior Team. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.